Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Hello and welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasha and today I have something a little different for you. To celebrate the opening of and beyond Punaka River Lodge in Bhutan, I have asked three of the very special guests who are invited to come and experience the lodge prior to its official opening to speak to us about their first impressions of Bhutan as a destination and the lodge in particular. First up is Suhail Gupta, and beyond Managing Director for Asia, who will give us a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the history of the lodge and the challenges that his team had to overcome in the many years before the lodge could be officially opened. Suhail, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about and beyonds first lodge in Bhutan. I believe you've just recently come back from there, and I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us a bit about it. Well, uh, Prashad, it's, it's good to be back, but uh, really excited to speak to you today about the journey which we've had, and, and so thrilled that we now have our first, you know, lodge in in Asia in Punaka and Bhutan. Well, it's definitely been a long time coming. Punaka River Lodges and Beyond's first fully managed lodge in Asia, and it's something that we've been planning for quite a few years, and for a number of reasons, it's been delayed over and over again. Could you tell us about some of the challenges that we had to overcome in opening this lodge in the first place? Sure. So I, I have you know, clear memories of my first visit to Punaka River Lodge in 2015. It was, if I remember correctly, it was November. And uh, I had gone to the lodge. The lodge at that point of time was owned by a gentleman called Stephen Sherrill. And... Uh, they were keen for us to come and get involved and manage the lodge. So I had gone to see it. And I remember arriving there and just being blown away by the location. It was a really amazing location, 50 acres on the riverfront, uh, you know, on, on the valley with great views of the mountains um, and the neighboring uh, hills. And when I got there, I mean, my thought was, you know, we've got to make this happen in some shape or form, because I think, uh, you know, to find great locations is not easy, right? I mean, you find locations and locations, but when you find a good one and a great one, uh, you've got to grab it. So that's what I reported back to Joss and Mark, and we then began our discussions with Stephen, and that took its own time. And then, uh, you know, when we finally got to an agreement a year, a couple of years later, uh, our local partner, Stephen's local partner, who who was going to become our local partner, unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer of uh, the liver. So we then had to take a pause, you know, hoping that treatment would work and, you know, uh, he would get well and then, uh, and then we'd res- resume. Unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, Yugs, um, Ugen Dorji, who was our partner, went on to the U.S. Uh, John Hopkins went, you know, was under treatment there for six months, came back, and then eventually, I, you know, he couldn't beat the cancer and he passed away. So that was, you know, quite tragic for us because he was so integral to the project. And um, so that that was another challenge we had. But uh, fortunately for us, his wife, Kunzang, stepped in and she's been fantastic. And then we sort of resumed work and started rebuilding the lodge and adding in the elements we, we wished to, to make it an ambient lodge. And then, of course, COVID arrived. So we took another pause. And then uh, Bhutan actually stayed closed. The longest. They actually opened probably one of the last countries in the world to open post-COVID. So they really only opened in uh, November last year. So once Bhutan opened in November last year and we were able to get a good sense of, sense of what is happening on the ground, we then resumed construction on the site in late December, early January. And, um, you know, it's been a, a what, seven-month process of, you know, getting... Um, the lodge complete uh, and ready for our first guests arriving on 1st September. So it's quite a long story and uh, yeah, quite a colourful one as well. Yes, it is. And, you know, as Joss and I were chatting uh, when he was there earlier, late, late in July, we were saying, you know, uh, we had a dream and that dream took eight years to fulfil and arrive at, to become a reality. But I'm so glad we made it a reality because it's a very special place, uh, our location, lodge, and Bhutan is a fabulous country. Sihel, as we mentioned already, you've recently come back from Bhutan. You attended the informal opening of the lodge where we hosted some of our executives, some of our sales teams, and basically, you know, did sort of a dry run for the first external guests. 
Can you tell me a little bit about the emotions involved and, you know, were there things that made you particularly proud when you saw the result of all this hard work and, you know, saw the team at the lodge actually welcoming their first guests and taking care of them? Yes, um, it was quite an amazing uh, experience, Kasha. I mean, uh, to, to just look at it, um, you know, we were, you know, a month ago, a construction site uh, running uh, at breakneck speed to complete the work and be ready for our first uh, guests, our executives, the sales team, etc. And to see it transform in, you know, four, about four to six weeks was magical. And, um, you know, uh, with trucks arriving and uh, with items arriving on site and with the contractors handing over areas. So it was quite spectacular to see it come together and finally take shape. You know, after, as I said, 15 years, I mean, um, sorry, eight years for us, and actually uh, for Kunzang, and uh, Kunzang has been involved with the project since 2012, so 11 years for her. So to see it come together and uh, you know come alive was very exciting, and it was really also very exciting to see our team. You know our team on the ground at Punaka River Lodge, 80% are from the valley and uh, and our neighboring villages, and none of these uh, youngsters have ever worked in hospitality before. I would say of our, our whole team, maybe maybe seven or eight percent have experience. The rest are all raw individuals, young students uh, who finished school or just got up, got got to college and then joined uh, the lodge. So it was really exciting to see them sort of uh, see the, the 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 smiles on their eyes, their energy and enthusiasm on wel- welcoming our first guests that that evening. So it was quite brilliant. Was there any special moment or a special memory where it actually all came together for you, where you, you felt like, wow, you know, this is, this is it. It's been worth it. Yeah, so I think uh, as our sales team and Joss arrived on site and then they came into the building and then we had a, a dinner and an informal opening and uh, everybody was together and the place was buzzing. And yeah, it came all together then. It was quite emotional, uh, you know, to see it being transformed and finally becoming a reality. So that evening was a very special evening. Sihel, I've spoken to to Ryan and to Gisela and to quite a few people about the lodge and actually about and beyond and the way that we fit into Bhutan as a destination as a whole, you know, and beyond's travel ethos and the way that it aligns with the way that tourism is approached in Bhutan. Could you talk a little bit about that and let me know what you feel makes Bhutan such an ideal destination for and beyond to go into and why it's the, there's such a great synergy between the destination and us. Sure, absolutely. I think, you know, our whole vision and our impact, uh, our vision of care of the land, care of the wildlife, care of the people, and Bhutan's philosophy and vision are identical. I think, uh, you know, I'm glad we are finally there in Bhutan and we are uh, involved with this amazing country. But I wish we had done this before because Bhutan as a country embodies what our vision is, caring for the community, caring for their forests, natural resources, and uh, the general happiness and goodness of people. I'm sure you're aware that Bhutan doesn't measure its gross domestic product. On the other hand, they measure their gross national happiness. And this sort of concept was um, put into place by His Majesty's father, the fourth king, I think in the late 60s. Uh, when he came up and said, uh, you know, I, I need to make each and every individual in Bhutan happy, be content, have access to uh, healthcare, education, uh, roads, but yet uh, you know, live and coexist with nature. And therefore, Bhutan is probably one of the only countries which has mandated that they need to have mi- a minimum of 72% of their land under forest cover. It's the only carbon negative country in the world. So I think... Bhutan's uh, value proposition and vision and Anbion's vision and uh, care for the community and wildlife and impact vision are, are basically are similar. And uh, uh, so I'm glad that we are, we are there in the country now and we can make a positive impact uh, with our vision you know, to, to them as well. Suhail, you know, I've, I've heard over and over again from various people how travel in Bhutan affected them and, you know, what they got out of their trips to the destination, but I'd love to hear from you. You know, what kind of traveler would you recommend Bhutan to as a destination? What kind of traveler would make the most out of it, um, you know, and, and truly experience it to, at its best? 
Well, I think Bhutan, I mean, for me, um, each time I've, I've been traveling to Bhutan since I was a child and I've seen Bhutan grow. When I look at going to Bhutan now um, as an adult, it's still amazing that um, Bhutan makes you reflect. Bhutan makes you look at life and put it in perspective. You know, we in the world are chasing material things, are chasing our tails, get more money, buy more products, consumerism, etc. But when you go to Bhutan, you realize that you don't need any of that. You can live a very simple and happy, contented life. It, it puts things in perspective. And I think the visitors that come to Bhutan, you know, are visitors who are wanting to find themselves, who want, are wanting to discover themselves, discover this amazing little paradise in this world of ours. Um, and it's not for everybody. It's not for, you know, the visitors who want to go and, you know, party at a nightclub. It's not for visitors who want to go and shop on the high streets. It's for people who want to get into nature, who want to connect with their spiritual selves and really rediscover themselves and, and, and the meaning of life. I think that's what Bhutan, uh, who Bhutan attracts. Uh, and, and those are the visitors that should visit Bhutan. That sounds amazing. And I think those are exactly the kind of travelers who choose to travel with and beyond as well. Absolutely, yes. They're, they actually are, are, are travelers. That's very true. Well, Sahel, thank you so much. It's, it's been a wonderful little glimpse and um, I wish Punaka River Lodge every success and I can't wait to have a chance to see it for myself. Thank you, Kasha. And yes, you must come and visit us soon. Uh, looking forward to hosting you, Mila, uh, soon. A guest who is especially well-equipped to speak about how destinations like Bhutan are protecting their natural heritage and changing the face of travel is travel writer Gisela Williams who has written for publications such as Tea Magazine, Travel and Leisure, The Wall Street Journal, and Departures. Gisela traveled to Bhutan as a guest of and beyond, and joins us to share memories of some special moments during her trip, as well as to speak about Bhutan's exceptional model of tourism and how it aligns with and beyond's ethos. Gisela, thank you so much for coming to chat to me today about your trip in Bhutan and your preview of the opening of and beyond Punaka River Lodge. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. You know, you know you're really a, a legend in, as a travel writer and you've had such a wide berth of experience. I'm really excited to hear about Bhutan. You know, first of all, was, was this your first time in Bhutan? It was, actually. It was my first time in Bhutan. It was a trip that I've been looking forward to for some time. And it did not disappoint. Fantastic. It really is a place like nowhere on earth. And I would really, really love to hear your overall impressions of the country as a destination. I mean, even from the moment that you fly in, it's, it's just incredibly stunning. I mean, in terms of its natural landscape, it is a very dramatic entry. You know, you dive almost into this incredibly short runway. Beautiful airport. So it was a fantastic welcome. And then we just were, you know, driving through the mountains for, for quite some time to get to Punaka Valley. And then I had, you know, almost a week of, of time to explore Bhutan. Several of those days we stayed actually at the lodge. I, I mean, we just had so many beautiful adventures, both in terms of, you know, again, the natural landscape, hiking, walking up to temples, but also in terms of the experiences we had with with the spirituality of the country, experiencing um, even some uh, meditation with with them at the monasteries. Uh, we, at one point, of course, we did Tiger's Nest, but that, you know, there's so many other adventures one can have. We also did, which is, I think, one of the activities that uh, that everyone will probably do when they visit the lodge is the, the river rafting experience, which was really so much fun. But yeah, no, I would say, you know, you just kind of think, oh, it's wonderful to be in a country at this time, I think, in history when everything feels very stressful and chaotic to be in a place like Bhutan where it just feels very serene, beautiful, green, and the people are just so incredibly kind. And so I think it's just a destination that feels so um, incredibly... That's a very special take on it. I think it's unusual that you find a place like that. <laughs> it feels that way, doesn't it? But it just, it really is, um, you know, just such a special place. I, I, for me, really, it was this kind of combination of adventures 
in in the, the mountains, in the valleys, and these experiences with with the in the monastery. The kind of most wonderful moments we had were the interactions with the people of Bhutan. Uh, in fact, Joss and I we went on a wonderful hike, and that was in the Gungtel Valley through woodlands by cows past some beautiful little houses. And at one point we kind of reached this view of the valley that was really stunning and came across this elderly gentleman who had taken apart a plastic bag and had then created these sort of strings out of it. And we stopped to ask him, what, you know, what are you doing? And he said he was creating a rope out of this plastic bag to, for his cow. And he just happened to have one of the most beautiful views of, of the valley from there. And uh, we just all kind of stopped in wonder and, and looked around us and thought, you know, wow, this is just an incredible place to work, you know, hashtag um, office for the day situation. And then we started a conversation with him kind of asking about his life and how old he was. He was actually in his, I think I remember him saying he was in his mid eighties and he just looked incredibly healthy and well. And actually after our conversation, Joss gave him his hiking stick and we, we just had such a, like a lovely moment with him. And, and then, you know, we went, continued on, on our walk there. So, it, you know, that was just one of many examples of, of the, the, these kind of lovely hikes into, into nature and interactions with the people. I loved also the walks that led up to these beautiful kind of remote monasteries. We went actually at one point to a, a Buddhist university that was so remote that they had told us that we were one of two guests that they'd had in three months' time. So it just felt like a lost, you know, it does feel like this lost world. It really does. And and I think that most of the kind of activities that one does, you know, just really brings that home. Another thing that was kind of fantastic was that actually I was lucky enough to be there when the opening party occurred. And there was some traditional dancing taking place. And then the the governor of the valley was there, and he made a little bit of a speech. Um, and then afterwards, I spoke to him just to kind of get his comments about the property, about the valley, about his his job, what he does as the governor. And then at one point, I said, "You know what? What do you what what do you suggest I do when I'm here?" And he said, "Well, are you busy tomorrow at at ten thirty? And I said, "No." And so he picked us up the next day and he said, you know, I'd really love to um, show you the oldest house in the valley. It must be close to 500 years old. And, and there's a, a, a woman who still lives in it. And, um, you know, would you be interested in, in going there? And I said, of course. So we drove on this bumpy road for a good hour and a half. This is still a place where um, the houses that, you know, are at the end of this road, a lot of people still walk, you know, for hours to get uh, to their school, to get to, to, to any kind of market. So we were just driving and it was, uh, you know, by this beautiful stream. And then at one point we reached a, a road that had been washed out. So we couldn't actually continue. We had to stop the car and walk in from there. And then we walked, you know, at least 25 minutes through a rice field you know, there was no road at, at this point. And after that period of time, we finally reached this incredible old house made of mud brick with smoke coming out of it. And we were then welcomed by the woman who lived there. She was sort of in her 50s. And the house had no stairs. You, there, It was actually ladders from one level to the next. And on the top floor, she... Um, invited us in, and she had an open fireplace kitchen on the third floor of this remarkable house. And we sat down, and she served us tea. 
and just we just had this fantastic conversation. But the the whole, even just the journey there was really special. It also just is so remarkable to think, you know, she, she has to walk two hours to get, you know, supplies. A, a lot of the things that she, you know, some of the, the vegetables that she eats is traded with neighbors. But, you know, for her to get anywhere, she still has to walk through this rice field. I mean, it was just really kind of amazingly dramatic to have this experience and to, to, you know, go back in time like this in a house that was, you know, 500 years old. And she was still kind of living in it as if it was 500 years ago. That simplicity and that kind of level of, you know, serenity. I don't think there's many, very many places in the world that you can find that still. You, you really can't. I mean, it was just, I, I have to say that I, I do love journeys that immerse you in nature, but also take you back in time in a way that is just so remarkable. And of course, you know, there's the side of, of which, you know, the, the, the woman herself, she was looking to have a bit more access to shops and things like that. So for her, the, it wasn't completely ideal yet um, as, a, as a traveler to experience this completely different way of living is so, such a, such a privilege. Thank you for sharing those impressions. You, you've painted a very, very vivid picture of Bhutan. Of course. No, it was such a special trip and it was really, you know, of course it was also fantastic to experience it with Joss and the whole crew um, to be able to be, you know, first into the lodge was, was really special and um, and also to have these conversations with Joss, which was why I was there, um, about growing and beyond outside, you know, Africa, what that meant, how does he manage to grow and continue to hold on to all of the principles of of and beyond, and a lot of this conversation it was so in a way fitting to be in Bhutan because it's the same, it's partially the same conversations that, that they're having in Bhutan. While we were there, they were talking about the cost, the daily rate of being there and, and what that meant. And the idea of paying for your footprint in, in such a pristine country. And so, uh, also, the idea of how does Bhutan move into the future? These questions were similar in a way, and some of the answers were similar, both in terms of, you know, the answers from Joss discussing the growth of and beyond, but also um, in terms of how does one move a country forward and, and, and attempt to maintain as much of its sustainable principles as possible, yet create an economy that can compete with with other countries. I think there's so many questions around that, that balance of tourism in general. How do you expose people and educate them without overexposing the destinations and affecting them? And I think those are so many questions that, that COVID, ironically enough, brought into the forefront. Absolutely. No, I think that, you know, that that made it more urgent because, of course, with tourism being kind of one of its largest income, it was certainly something that became very urgent. And so they, 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 there was a lot of discussion about that. And, you know, I think in general, people have, COVID made one ask the question, how, can we trust in tourism? Should we put all of our energy into it? Is, is, and, and if so, how do we do this right? Um, and I think that that's certainly something that's still being discussed. But I think similar to and beyond, which, as I understood it, you know, attempted to support its entire staff and team throughout COVID, that was also true in Bhutan as much as possible. They were, this tax that we pay as a tourist in some ways went to help support its Bhutan citizens. And I was told that almost 100% of of the citizens were vaccinated, even if they lived in remote areas. The, the king himself 
who's a pilot, flew these vaccinations to remote parts of the, the country. So they made it through very well. In fact, they had very few fatalities in Bhutan. But again, so this is another chapter. Um, how, how will they move forward in the next decade or two? Um, and what kind of tourism are they going to support? And how will they be able to use that income to support the country itself, the people that live there? So no, we, there were so many interesting conversations that, that we had, both in, in regards to the, the, everyone that was there, but also the, gov- the, the governor that I met you know, with Joss. And then, and then in the end, I'm sure you heard that um, Joss was like, you know, one, his second to last day, he was called to actually meet the king and have further discussions. And I think that they got, they had so much to talk about that what was what originally started as, I think, something like a 20-minute meeting ended up being something like two hours. So they had a lot to discuss, obviously. You know, Gizna, as you said, you've traveled with and beyond. You've traveled with Joss. You've spent some time, quite a bit of time with him chatting to him. You know, I'm really interested to hear from you. You've been to our lodges in, in Africa. And then obviously you went to Punaka River Lodge, you know, one of the few guests for the pre-opening almost. What are your impressions? Um, how does Punaka compare to to and beyond's African lodges? How does the company model translate? You know, what what were your first impressions of that? Well, I think that what and beyond is very good at is giving a sense of place, not just in terms of you know something as superficial as the design, which they did a very good job of as well, but in terms of the people that work there. So in the Punaka Lodge, they have a huge percentage of the staff that come from the area. So we, you know, from everything from, let's say, the dining experience to the service to the singing, when when you arrive, you just feel a very strong sense of place. I think that's always been true with, with, with and Beyond and their lodges in Africa. But you know, it was obviously another challenge when you when you enter a new country, and yet they did a really fantastic job with that. And I think that has to do with the partners they work with. It has to do with the efforts they make to bring on, like I said, a majority of locals to be part of the staff. And this idea of embracing that everyone is somehow a family, that was definitely also something that one could palpably feel even with the the nerves you know raw from from opening which is as everyone knows really incredibly stressful and difficult but everyone was i think thrilled to and and celebratory when when we had that opening party which was a lot of fun um, so yeah, no, in terms of comparing, I mean, I was, I actually have only experienced Kenya, but of course that's like very dear to and beyond and to Joss as being someone from that country. But, you know, that, that was also clear, you know, a lot of it feels personal because, you know, for Joss, I, I know this, that Bhutan is really a special place and very dear to him. So I think this kind of personal feelings for for these places this this wish to protect and also um, support these places and the people that live there uh, is something that is very much a common thread um, no matter where where the the lodge may be and I think that there was really like a lot of excitement because obviously and beyond is having a very it's having a growth moment. You know, there's going to be a lot of news coming out in the next few years about new lodges outside of Africa. So it was super exciting to be at one of the first such lodges. And I felt like it was very appropriate that it was Bhutan. 
you know, obviously in terms of the actual day-to-day running of the lodge, obviously the and beyond model is very, very much built around safari and the activities that surround that. What about the activities at Punaka at the lodge? Did you find that it was sort of translated enough that there was enough to keep you busy? And you mentioned the river rafting. You know, what else did you do? What, what else is there to make the best of that particular location as opposed to a safari location? Well, it's very different because you're not searching for the big five in Bhutan. Instead, you're going on these remarkable walks, hikes up into the mountains, meeting with monks in temples. Uh, We went to actually a nunnery as well, experiencing the Buddhist culture rather than, than, let's say, the wildlife. That said, of course, there's... Uh, you know, I think any birder will will be thrilled to spend some time in Bhutan because there's remarkable bird life there. In general, it's actually more about experiencing the culture and and meeting the people in Bhutan. But there's absolutely plenty to do. There's no question. Just in Punica Valley itself, there you could we could have gone again to the river rafting. In fact. One of our guides told us that they were supporting a, a, a couple from Germany that were they were going to do like a five day river rafting trip, which sounded amazing. So that's obviously something very exciting about being in Bhutan. But for me, it was really about the culture, experiencing Buddhism to that extent in a place with that, those remarkable stories and its history, and having that as your goal at the end, this sort of spiritual moment at the end of your hike that made it feel so worthwhile. Um, so it just, it's, it's very much of a learning, I think. Um, I'm pretty knowledgeable about Buddhism, but this was sort of living it every day. Kizana, you know, obviously there are certain destinations that appeal to certain people. But having had that experience in Bhutan, you know, in the context of your extensive experience of travel, who would you recommend Bhutan to? Uh, what kind of traveler? And and what would you say to somebody who was thinking, well, should I or shouldn't I travel to this destination? Well, we had some conversations about that while we were there, because I think a lot of people are talking about, especially after COVID, what kind of long-haul travel is, is worth the trip um, when you're someone who's concerned about the, the footprint that you're, you're leaving. And I truly believe that what's happening these days is that certain travelers are, are asking that question and then making these really special journeys that are once in a lifetime. And I think that, that Bhutan is, is, is such a journey in that it is such a special place and you have such remarkable experiences, both, like I said, in nature and with the Buddhist culture that you just feel, I mean, I, I felt after one week there almost like I'd been there a month because of all the experiences I had had. Um, and so I, I, Definitely would say if you're going to do a long trip like that, Bhutan is 100% worthwhile um, as as a choice. If you were going to do one special journey, you know, in 2024, that would be the one I would certainly recommend. And in terms of the people that I think that such a trip really makes sense for, it's again, you know, this is not a Big Five Safari. Instead, it's it's truly like an immersion into such a special spiritual culture, as well as one that has just such pristine natural landscapes. You know, this I I believe that during COVID, a lot of people felt well when they were walking in nature. I think that's something that a lot of people learned about themselves. And so to me, I would rather spend a week walking in the mountains of Bhutan than spending it in a spa. To me, that is really something that makes you feel incredibly well on on every level in terms of your physical health, but also in terms of your mental well-being. And not to mention 
those who really appreciate to learn about another culture or to learn or go deeper in, in your educating yourself about um, Buddhism. You know, the way you summed up Bhutan, because without fail, every single person I've spoken to who's gone there for the first time, those are exactly the things that come out, the, the sense of spirituality, the sense of wellness, and the sense of just, you know, a place where you can just be with yourself. So that's that's definitely a very, very strong theme. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't want to forget to mention that the guide that we had, uh, Tashi, was remarkable. I mean, he he was such an intrinsical part of the the journey and the adventures that we had. So knowledgeable, so thoughtful, always there. And that was something that is also specific to and beyond to be able to find these remarkable guides that really help you understand things more, engage with people, translate, you know, the language and, you know, kind of escort you through this whole, all these adventures. Um, so I, I, yes, it would be a remiss if I forgot to mention Tashi and how fantastic he was as, as our guide. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure he'll be very happy to hear that he made an impression. He <laughs> <laughs> was great. Kisa, well, thank you very, very much. I think that's been a wonderful little bit of insight and a glimpse of, of your time in Bhutan and your impressions. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Ryan Powell, NBN Chief Operating Officer for Sales and Touring, joins us to explore the people element in more depth, talking about the staff members employed at Punaka River Lodge and how NBN is planning to help develop the local communities that they form a part of. Ryan, thanks so much for agreeing to chat to us today and share your first impressions of Punaka River Lodge in Bhutan. Morning. Great pleasure. You were one of the lucky group to be one of the first few visitors at Punaka. And I'm really dying to find out from you, what were your first impressions of the lodge? I, th- I think overall it was, it was, what is the first impressions of, of Bhutan as a kingdom? Um, it's a really, really special place. The, the lodge itself, though, what makes it really special is... Uh, instead of being up perched on on the mountains where only one of your senses is being is being tickled, uh, Punaka River Lodge is located down in the valley, and you're surrounded by a river, and you look up through the trees onto onto a mountain. And so, when you wake up in the mornings, you've got the, these beautiful crisp clouds that are sort of circulating through the mountains. And when those clouds lift, you've got snow-capped mountains right in front of you. Uh, it's a special place, and it's made more special by the people. Of the and beyonders that are employed there, we, we've got uh, 35. Of those 35, 90% come from that local community. Uh, and that local community, a lot, a lot of those staff members, this is their first job. And uh, what was fascinating is, is that when the team came on board, the, the team, some of them had never seen sparkling water before or an iron. And, and the thing that I took away is that even coming off that base, they delivered a, an experience that was comparable to anything that we deliver in Africa or South America. And it's because it was delivered with heart. Uh, the team there really were uh, astounding. That's amazing. That's really something to be proud of, especially with a team that's that fresh and brand new. Yeah, I know. It, was, uh, it made, me, made me really proud. And obviously the people are a big element, but um, you know, how did you feel that the model that Beyond has become so well known for in Africa and South America has been translated onto a third continent. You know, what are the golden threads and the, you know, the familiar feelings and also what's new and fresh about it? Well, you know, the, the model is care of the land, wildlife and people. Uh, and the people element over here is, is a big one. You know, it doesn't matter when you go into a community in Africa uh, or a community in South America or a community in Asia, some of the challenges those communities face are exactly the same. It's, uh, it's employment or unemployment. Uh, it's development. It is education. You know, and those are the cornerstones of, of what we do within our foundation. So the employment, obviously, that, that one is taken care of from the lodge itself. And beyond is already identified a, a school 
um, in need that we are, are, are going to be working with. And our, our first project that is going to be tackled through our impact levy uh, is going to be the provision of computers to the school uh, in need, which is which is really exciting. Um, and then the second one is that the community has identified that they that they need a, a new road, which is very close to to where Panaka River lodges, and they don't want to impact on on guests. And they've asked us if we could assist uh, improving that improving that road. Um, and so the conversation we've had with that community already is we we will provide the the materials. And then we will employ the community to, to do the road so that um, in addition to being, getting the road, there's additional revenues and funds that are trickling through the, through the economy. Brian, was, was this your first trip to Bhutan? And, you know, just, just your first impressions of Bhutan as a destination, you know, what, what really blew you away about it? And what kind of traveler do you feel that it would really appeal to? Yeah, it was my first trip to, to the kingdom. Yeah, I've, I've been talking a lot about this for the last few days. Bhutan really surprised me. I think the first surprise is, is how few straight roads there are in Bhutan. Man, it's hilly. The second thing that, that really took me back is, and I can only explain it as, as it being the antithesis of, you know, when you, uh, when you walk into, the explanation, if you, if you walk into a meeting and, there, and you can feel the tension that sits in a meeting, and you know it's going to, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough a tough uh, meeting. Bhutan has the total opposite feeling to that. No matter where you are, at any point in the day, everything just feels at ease, um, and and it feels like everything belongs. And there's a, a wonderful synergy between the people and the nature. And we we were there with our, our trade sales team. At some point during the week. Every single person had a had a cry about something, and not because we were because you were sad, but you know you were always very close to a temple or a prayer wheel when you're trekking and through the mountains. And so you know, like the human race is really good at suppressing stuff and not talking about things, and sort of just always looking forward and moving forward. And because you're surrounded by this this beauty, the emotion is is always raw. And so you, you, you can be standing looking at something and you just you get this well up of emotion because there's something that you haven't dealt with. And you can spin a prayer wheel or stand in front of an altar in a temple and it's just there and you can deal with it. And so everyone came away from the destination feeling emotionally lighter. And it was interesting because, you know, we, we had, you know, six days and we picked up a couple of different destinations during that time. But everyone said they will come back. And what they want to spend more time on is exploring spirituality. And when I say spirituality, I don't mean religion because they're two different things. But Bhutan is the, is the one place where I felt the most connected to my spirituality. And, and uh, I really look forward to going back to, one, seeing the people again because the people were amazing. But two, being able to explore this side of, of things more. It, it really is an incredible country. It sounds absolutely amazing. You sold me definitely. You know, when you started talking about Bhutan and the sort of sense of ease and the sense of belonging, you know, it really struck me that that's very much similar to what a lot of first-time travelers to our lodges in Africa say about Envion. So I think it's really amazing the way that our model and the way that we want our guests to feel just blends in so perfectly with Bhutan as a as a place and as a destination. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the people and the, our staff members, you can feel the ambience we, we call it the golden thread throughout and how welcoming and hospitable the people are. Obviously, you know, Bhutan is, is not really a wildlife destination. Bhutan is, is a destination that is very geared towards people who are active. It's known for its wellness. And you know, so there's, there's, there's whitewater rafting. You do archery. Uh, archery is one of the national sports. And those guys are amazing. It's to, to watch how they how they go about a, a Sunday afternoon of they are 130 meters apart, facing each other, and they shoot trying to shoot a little target. And when they reach that, if someone hits that target, they will walk across the field and they will do a little dance in celebration of reaching the target. It's very cool. Outside of the the fact that it's you know activity and wellness, it's really good for hiking. A lot of the temples are a good. You know, 30 minutes to an hour, in some cases, more walk up into the, the foothills of the Himalayas. And so it does require a, a guest who, who wants to get deep into the, 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 the temples in, 
uh, in Bhutan, they have to have a, a, a good base level of fitness in order to do so. Um, there are, there, there are uh, times when the altitude can be a little bit problematic, um, but that's where Panaka River Lodge is, is blessed. Uh, it's just at a lower altitude than most other places in Bhutan. Um, so, so those are the, you know, the sort of, for me, the, the three main tenants. And, and speaking to the team at Punaka River Lodge, and goes back to the, the earlier part of the conversation, is, is we want to add an element around spirituality and being able to explore that when guests are, are at the lodge. You know, Ryan, having had an overview of, of Bhutan and sort of, even if it was a little bit of a whirlwind tour, how would you position or how would you sell Punaka River Lodge as fitting in to the ideal Bhutan itinerary? You know, what is it, how does it stand out? Why, why is it, what, what does it offer that the other places don't offer? And what does it combine with so very well? Well, so I think, you know, so Bhutan um, is pursuing a, a model of low volume, high quality tourism. And when they reopened uh, in 2022, they introduced a daily fee of $200 per day. Most people don't know is that that $200 a day reduces as you stay long in the country. And if you're in the country for 10 days, you're not paying that daily fee. And so I really think, you know, the first thing for me is, is when we are looking at Botswana as a destination, most people will combine it with the likes of India um, and Bhutan or Bhutan and, and sometimes Nepal, but most, most likely India and, and Bhutan. We guests have the ability, I would strongly recommend they are spending seven to, day, seven to 10 days uh, in the destination. Uh, you're flying from Delhi uh, into, into uh, Paro, which is the, the main airport. That is the gnarliest landing I've ever seen. You know, one moment you are skimming through the clouds and you can see the Himalayas on the left-hand side. And as you drop down through the clouds, you are just sort of enveloped by, uh, by the Himalayas, the foothills of the Himalayas on either side of you. And then you, you sort of come in and you land. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty quick landing after you, you drop down through the clouds. But from an itinerary standpoint, you know, guess uh, if they arrive early enough, they will go to, uh, well, they'll probably end up driving through to Tempo as the main city because um, it's at a slightly lower altitude. Um, and they'll spend a night uh, or two nights there just exploring the surrounds. From Tempo, um, they can either go on to Gangte or they can go to Ponaka River Lodge. But if they're going to Gangte, then they'll, they'll spend uh, three nights at the likes of a Gangte Lodge. Which has got the most? It's one of the, it's a it's a preferred partner of of Ambiance, um, and it has a very sort of similar feel. It's very authentic, and it has a sense of place. And and there you you could actually spend time exploring your spirituality and that too, and wellness. Beautiful lodge, and then from there you can go to Panaka River Lodge, and you can spend another you know three three nights. I would say should be your minimum. Four nights would be ideal if the itinerary time allows, and then from there. You head out and go go back to Paro, and at Paro is 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 obviously where you have the likes of Tiger's Nest, which is a a, a phenomenal experience, but it is tough as nails to get up there. I think people don't realise that. For those who are, who are a little bit unfitter, you have the ability to take a horse. The first part of uh, the first part of that track, but man, I think you would be white knuckling it up the the mountain on the back of a on the back of a horse. And then you walk from there, but even that walk is is not the easiest walk. You know, it'll take you so it takes you about two hours to walk up, and before you can explore the temple itself, and another two to two and a half hours to come down. So worth worth the energy spent, um, but it's it's a tough it's it's, t- it's a tough morning. And that contrast between Delhi and and Para and Bhutan is is also just absolutely insane, isn't it? The whole feel of India versus the feel of Bhutan. Yeah, it is. You know, so in India was my my second visit to uh, to India and to Delhi, uh, and what made it different for me this time was I asked the team to when I did my my touring around Delhi, is to peel back the the layers of the onion for me, um, and we actually this time got to explore old Delhi on foot. That really was very special. You know, we we got to uh, got to speak to a shopkeeper who's been running a shop there for the last hundred years, and his family. He was educated in in the West, um, but his family uh, he realised that that he could have a more successful business in Delhi, um, and he's a master spice blender, and you know his spices go to some of the best restaurants in the world, and he has like a little retail shop front that's very unassuming, and a, a, a big wholesale business that sits in the back that you would never see if you weren't on foot, and uh, another small little food shop. A guy makes um, flatbreads. And his, his family have had that shop for 200 years. 
and he has served every prime minister since their independence. You know, and those conversations and experiences you can't have when you are sitting in a vehicle or in a rickshaw. And so that's, that for me is, is always my preferred way of exploring any new places is on foot because then you really get to, to experience it with all your senses. And it's those little behind the scenes moment that really just reveals everything. It has, you know, and, and having, a, having a good guide helps. And I think that is again where we are, where we are blessed. We have got some of the most phenomenal guides who do a really good do- job of helping you interpret what you see and give you context. Uh, because sometimes when you are experiencing something, you know, it's very difficult to reconcile with how we experience things in the West. The, the guide makes, makes or breaks any journey, and it's no different in Bhutan. Ryan, you know, if, if you were talking to a traveler who was thinking about going to Bhutan, but was kind of on the fence, what is the one thing that you'd want them to know that you'd want to say to them? I'd say stop thinking and go. You know, the, I would say to them is that uh, Bhutan will, will change your life. And I, like, and I know we, we hear that often from our travelers is that the journey they embarked on changed, changed their life. Bhutan for me is, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of places in the world and Bhutan sits up at the top of those as one of my favorite now. And again, I think it was because it was so raw in places, but the people are so welcoming everywhere. There is always a smile and a hello from the people around and they, and they welcome you into, you know, into their circles. We went and stood and watched the team practicing their archery uh, on a Sunday afternoon and here I couldn't understand what they were saying, but just to be included in those is, was wonderful. The, we had a, an audience with a, a senior Lama um, at one of the nunneries uh, who did a blessing in that for us. You know, there was a, a, a real moment when he, he'd finished his incantations and he blessed us, and he and he, ble- he gave us a, a blessing of of good luck. And one of our one of our team, uh, she she's she's got a, te- a teddy bear that she that travels with her, and she got up and she went to, went to, to in front of the monk and she bowed to the, te- the 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 teddy with his hands together. And I was like, oh man, what are you doing? You can't be doing that like that's. And the and the the monk looked at her and he packed out laughing, and he took the teddy from her and he gave the teddy a blessing and he put the a little band on the teddy and he turned around and he, and he, and he put the hands together and he bowed back to her before he gave it back. You know, and I, I think it was that kind of moment where you realize that actually the, the people are just, they, they, they want to connect. And, and those kinds of connection points come at the strangest places, even in something which, which I thought was really serious. I, I love that. And, and so you, you're not going to experience that unless you, you get out of a vehicle and you walk. And if you are ready to do that, then Bhutan will be one of the one of those experiences that will leave a very lasting impression <laughs> on you. Oh, definitely, it sounds amazing. Thanks so much for sharing those little glimpses of your trip to Bhutan and to Punaka with us. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about and beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.